Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 71 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Walton about money mindset and being the CEO of your business. We cover a lot of topics in this week's episode, but she has such great insight into so many of them. So we talk a little bit about why entrepreneurs are afraid of looking at the money side of the business and how we can get better at that. We talk about loving what you do and changing the perception of your friends and family and also yourself of seeing this as a real business. And then we talk about creating new products to serve your clients, planning your marketing, and a little bit about Facebook ads and how Sarah is using those in her own business. Sarah Walton is a business mentor and the founder of Sarah's Business Accelerator for women who want to start and build their businesses and the Money Mindset course and an interactive online course for women. Before leaving corporate America to support other women full-time, Sarah spent her 15-year career navigating the corporate world where she managed a P&L worth hundreds of millions of dollars, working closely with Marianne Williamson, mentored dozens of women, and balanced motherhood at the same time. As her career progressed, she was frequently the only woman in the room as the executive team made decisions for customers, product development, financial projections, company direction, and company culture. Knowing that women play a crucial part in the overall health of our communities, it was the Dalai Lama's quote, the world will be saved by the Western woman in 2010 that really sparked a deep passion and began to drive Sarah's work. When she decided to leave corporate, she found a whole new world inside the culture of entrepreneurs and the amazingly creative drive women bring to the economy and our society. She knew her extensive business background would help her serve entrepreneurs as they strive for their dreams. In a quest to make sure women are empowered with every tool needed to fulfill on the Dalai Lama's promise, Sarah founded her companies and started creating events, workshops, and courses. Through her companies and her redefining success events, she now speaks around the nation, offering her courses, products, and workshops, all designed to inspire, inform, ignite passion, and bring the power of femininity forward. Her focus is on taking better care of ourselves, developing a healthy relationship to money, creating challenging goals, and learning how to lean back just as often as we lean in. Her companies have become known and trusted brands around the world, and one of her businesses was recently featured on the Today Show. She is the mother of two and a wife to one. She lives with her family in New Jersey. Make sure to check her out and take a look at her business accelerator after you listen to this episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. So I read your bio and talked a little bit about the show at the beginning, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Sure. I'll be happy to. It's the best part, right? We have so much fun with this. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you today, Samantha. So where am I from originally? I'm originally from Sandy, Utah, which is um, a little bit far away from where I live outside of New York City now, but um, Sandy, Utah is known for the town where Elizabeth Smart was taken from, which cracks me up. That's our claim to fame. Not that the situation cracks me up, but that that's what we're known for. <laughs> um, let's see. So um, I came to New York City right after college. I'd spend a year in Europe. I came here and I really started climbing the corporate ladder. I loved working really hard. I loved um, working on big problems with smart people. And as I made my way up the corporate ladder, I was taught more and more. I got what I consider to be a hardcore MBA by 
hitting the pavement and really working on problems and understanding how business works and why it works that way from really some of the greatest minds during the technical boom. I felt really lucky to do that. And as my life changed and I had kids and got married, um, I wanted more time with my family and the corporate structure didn't support that. So I decided to take all of my corporate experience, all of that business experience, all of the hardcore MBA, you know, the, the street version of an MBA that I got. And I decided to turn that specifically towards women. I noticed that I was always the only woman in the room as a senior executive. Um, sometimes the head of HR was a woman in there with me and that was it. And I thought this, what? I don't understand this. And um, the more I was diving into the entrepreneurial world for myself, the more I realized how valuable these skills are and that they're, they're not being taught and they need to be taught. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is kind of what you help your clients with and what you saw women struggling with in the corporate world, which I mean, I worked at a very small business when I was at a day job, but even then it was hard to talk about money and asking for a raise. Like it was very difficult for me to feel like I had even the right to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great way to put it. Yeah. The right to do it. Yeah. So why don't we dive in and why do you think most entrepreneurs are afraid of looking at the money side of their business? Because <laughs> it's the report card. <laughs> <laughs> it's the report card or it's the getting on the scale when you're trying to lose weight. It's the part you can't lie about. You know, you could be like, oh, I did really great, mom. I studied really hard, right? But until that report card comes out, we don't really know what's going on. Um, and it can be scary. Look, I get it. It's like we, you pour your heart and soul into a business. You believe in it. You can see a future for it. And you're fighting through your own self-doubt. And then you got to go look at that statement. And you're like, oh my God, we burned through however many thousands of dollars this month. And we didn't make that much. You know? And it's scary. And I, and I have all the empathy in the world for that. And I think where people can really make a difference for themselves is facing that fear head on and starting to flip the paradigm around the report card in that it's not an indictment, right? It's not a negative mark against you. It is just a reporting mechanism. And so if you can look at that, you can say, oh, I see. So we actually did make enough revenue, but we're spending too much. Or we way overspent this month. What happened? Let's look at that. Was that a marketing investment? Do we expect to get a return on that investment? Like what actually happened? And if you're afraid of it and you can't look at it, you can't see what levers you need to pull to move forward. So if you can flip the paradigm a little bit, that can make a huge difference. Yeah. And I feel like so many people in this space are doing something that they love. And so looking at the money side, they don't want to realize that they're not making money doing this thing or <laughs> even put kind of that limit on themselves. I feel like we think if I'm doing what I love, it doesn't matter how much money is coming in. But when you're running a business, it really does. Yeah, it's everything. Absolutely. So you mentioned looking at your statements there. So can you just tell us exactly what a profit and loss is for people who are not quite familiar with the term and then what it can tell us about our business and how that helps us plan for the future? Absolutely. A profit and loss or a P&L as people like to refer to it. Um, I will never forget, again, in my street cred MBA version um, that I acquired, when I understood that a profit and loss statement that at the very top of the spreadsheet or the top of the, the statement is the profit. What came in? So let's say $10 came in, right? Then you list out all of the expenses 
down line item by line item by line item by line item. And you can imagine in corporations, this can be a 40 page document, right? So this is what came in. These are the sources that came in on as far as profit, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got to deal with all the expenses. And then I remember sitting there going, this is what people mean by the bottom line. The bottom line tells you what you need to know. And I'll never forget, I felt like such an idiot, but I was like, I get it, right? Looking at the bottom line of that document tells you whether you are in the hole or you're not. And it's very different from looking at a bank statement, right? A bank statement is a shot of where the cash is at the moment, right? But it is not a trend document. And that's kind of the way I talk about a profit and loss document. And, and the best way to, to you know, create your own, if you're just starting out, just open up an Excel file, put, put your revenue at the top, <laughs> list out your expenses by line item every single month. And look, did you go up or down? And what people have a hard time wrapping their heads around is the profit and loss statement is telling you where the profit is and where the losses are. A profit and loss statement will show you the trend of your business for that month. And it can very well say that you're in the hole $1,000, but your bank statement says you have $5,000, right? And that's either because you haven't paid out everybody that needs to get paid out, um, a profit and loss line item, taxes will be on there, things like that, that maybe you haven't spent yet. And this is where people, it's kind of like balancing your checkbook, but this is where people can make big mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at the profit and loss statement and realizing, holy crap, we actually overspent this month. Yeah, but we have some cash. Yeah, but that's not ours, right? Or that's for invoices that are coming in for next month that aren't counted against this loss just yet, right? So you want to look at it on a month by month basis. Um, And just doing that in your business every month will save you a heck of a lot of heartache down the line. But the other cool thing is it will start to tell you what your trends are. What seasons are you selling the most? What seasons are you spending the most? And having that information is so powerful. Is it always fun? Not really. You know, it's not always fun to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I played that contractor that much money, or I can't believe um, I had to spend that much on, I don't know, on Photoshop, right? Samantha, it's like, oh my gosh, I just had to do this. I just had to do that or whatever it is. It cannot be fun, but you can also see where you're investing in your business. And I tell every entrepreneur they need to consider themselves an investor and the best investment is in yourself. If you look at where you're really investing, you can see whether or not that return on investment actually comes to fruition because it's not always by looking at the bank account. That won't always tell you. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned here that this is something you should look at every month. And it's really not scary when you do it that way because I use Wave. So it's an accounting Mm -hmm. software. All of my income and expenses go in there and I just pull it. I say, this is the date I want it pulled from. And I can print that off and I know, okay, this is how much I brought in. This is how much I spent. I can look at it and say, okay, well, I knew that I was going to spend more on this thing this month, or I knew that maybe an invoice got delayed. So it's going to come in next month, but it's really just kind of information that Mm -hmm. helps you look at what your business is doing and what you should be planning for later. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great way to put it. I like that. Okay. Is there a software or something that you like to use? I know you mentioned people can do this in, a, in an Excel spreadsheet, but is there something that you like? Do you know, it's so funny that you mentioned Wave. I know of a couple of people that like Wave. I hate QuickBooks. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. And I literally do an Excel spreadsheet. I really do. I mean, I have a bookkeeper, but um, outside of that, I, I literally just do it all in Excel. Now, I love Excel and I feel really, really comfortable in it. And that I think is important. But I, 
the thing I like about it is it's the most manipulatable for me, right? If mm-hmm. I need to add something in for that month that isn't in there normally, I can, and I can put it in the category that makes sense to me, not in a category that QuickBooks says I have to put it in. So right. like, I'm like, I don't know what the heck that was. Um, and the other thing about QuickBooks that bothers me is it's a little too gooey, right? Like the interface is so pretty cute pictures. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> my own and I like I understand this stuff and I'm like I what I help um, so I prefer to do it myself but I, I'm glad you mentioned wave because I know a lot of people are super happy with that yeah I really like that but I used to do an excel spreadsheet and in some ways that was nice because I had to enter it manually so like I was really in there and right. I knew how things were going as it went because I think when you use a software that does it automatically like you can ignore it if you want to yep it's a true story, unfortunately. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. We've talked about kind of how this can help you plan for your business, but I know a lot of us, we see this perception among our friends and our family that what we're doing is not a business. They don't take it seriously. And I think that can be really discouraging for people. So how can we change the perception among our friends and our family that just because we're doing something that we love and that we're good at, it doesn't mean that it's not a business. I love, I, I, this is a hard topic for so many people. Um, and the kind of the flip side of this question too, that I think we'd be remiss not to talk about is that the business owners feel this way too. Like I can't charge for this. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually even a bigger problem, right? Cause it's all a mindset issue, but I will talk about things, you know, or I'll, I'll work with my clients on how to present this to friends and family because it's so important. And the second piece of that is you being able to talk about what you love as a business is what allows referrals to come in because you never know who's in a room or who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that you wouldn't have access to or that wouldn't know about your business if you didn't talk about it. And a lot of the, the resistance that we can feel, whether internally or externally about this, about really considering these as businesses is I'll, I'll say, you know, we could talk about the bigger players in the world, the Martha Stewart's of the world, like how the heck did you turn that into a business? We could talk about Brene Brown and shame. I don't know how you turn shame into a business, right? The (laughs) shame, holy cannoli, right? There is the five second rule, which I think is is Mel Gibson is her name. And she, you know, teaches people to count backwards from five to get them into action. Like how the hell is that a business, right? And I'll joke around about that and talk about how when there's something you love and something you're good at, here's the key. People will always pay you, always, to get from point A to point B faster and with less pain. And if you happen to love the work that's involved to get that done, you win. And the second I say that to somebody, they go, oh my gosh, I totally get it. That's why I have a trainer, like a fitness trainer, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can all go to the gym. We all know to do 15 reps of this or 15 reps of that and to stay on the treadmill for 20 minutes. But that doesn't mean you're going to do it. And you'll pay somebody to get you from point A to point B faster with less pain and stand there and talk to you while you're on the treadmill and go, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to increase your incline this week. All right, I'm adding five pounds to this. Or sometimes they'll do it and not even tell you, but they're moving you through point A to point B faster and with less pain and people will pay for that. So if you can, first of all, the first shift that has to happen is you have to see that, right? I mean, it's like if you can save somebody the pain of like ripping their hair out, trying to figure out how to deal with their websites and deal with the graphics, They'll pay for that because holy cow, that's too hard, right? And yep. just because it's something you absolutely love and lights you up and brings you joy, what, you're not supposed to get paid for that? Are you kidding me? Not even close. That's the whole point of business. That's the whole point of service exchange. 
It's the reason we go to the doctor, right? Because they, they understand that stuff. They can get us from point A to point B faster and with less pain. That's their job. They happen to be in a specific category called our physical health. But the same thing goes for hiring somebody to clean the house, right? From point A to point B, from dirty to clean, faster and with less pain. That's worth money to people. And that matters. And if you can't own that, you're never going to charge for it. You're never going to be able to share it with people and talk to people about it with excitement and joy um, and understand the value yourself so that Mm -hmm. you can go out and charge for it. That's so important. Yeah. Understanding the value yourself. And I mean, even knowing that and having my business, sometimes I struggle with this. I remember I went to the mechanic one day, my car needed fixed and I had to pay the bill and I was like, oh man, that's so expensive. And then I thought about it and I was like, but I don't have the skills to do that. Like paying somebody who has the skills to do what I need them to do. And in the long run, it means my car is going to run better. Yep. (laughs) It's exactly right. And that's the whole philosophy. And I think the shift, the paradigm shift around service-based industries that aren't tangible like that, right? So they're, like you said, the car mechanic or the doctor or even the therapist, right? Those sorts of things where we feel like it's a little bit more tangible, that's moving. It's shifting towards things like building your website, understanding Mm -hmm. graphics, or for me, understanding your head around your own business, right? Can I get you to point A from point A to point B faster with less pain? Yeah. Like, let's go. And understanding the value in that. And the shift is starting to happen where people are like, I want to do this. It's exactly what you said, but it's not just about our cars. It's about our businesses. It's about our relationships. It's about our health. It's about smaller tasks, larger tasks, and really understanding the value and having somebody by your side to get that done either for you or with you. Yeah. So once we've kind of gotten our heads around that for ourselves, then how do we share that with friends and family? And are there times when we kind of just have to let it go with them and say, okay, you're not going to get it. And that's okay. (laughs) Um, Sometimes. And for that, you know, the proof is in the pudding kind of a thing, right? Like you've got to go, you've got to do the hard work to get over yourself and sell got to do the hard work to get over yourself and market. And you've got to do the hard work to really deal with your own relationship to the value you offer. It's probably the best way for me to word that because it's important for us to really value it. And that alone, by the way, um, usually brings friends and family around when they see our joy and they see our own confidence. And, you know, my definition of confidence just means that you believe in your own ability to figure things out. <laughs> so if they see that in you and they see that fight in you and that fire and that happiness, and then they see you start to get paid, all of that will go away. And I've even received apologies from people who are like, I did not. Under- oh, I get it now. You know, like, it's like <laughs> that actually happens. And sometimes the proof is in the pudding, but it does take our work. And we have to sit down and recognize that this takes our own work. Like we have to do the work. And a lot of it's mental. A lot of it is around our own understanding of how valuable what we do actually is. So saying that in letting it go, absolutely let it go and stop talking about it with people when it drains your energy or you feel like, you just got slimed after a conversation, then it's time to stop. And there are people out there, what we want to understand as you chase your dreams as an entrepreneur and you start to really love your work and you start to get paid for it, what, what can happen to people around us that really has nothing to do with us is they can get activated because they're stuck in jobs they hate. Mm-hmm. They're not happy with their work or their own business isn't working and yours is and they're pissed. 
right? And that can end up getting reflected on you. And so you do want to be aware of that and have one, a lot of compassion because we've all been there. We've all watched somebody else succeed and go, how, what the, hey, you know, you, we can totally have empathy for that feeling. Yeah. Um, so you want to be empathetic and kind about it, but you also do not need to sit around and get slimed because of it. So there's a balance there in letting it go when someone just likes to needle you because they're pissed off themselves or they aren't feeling fully fulfilled. That's not your job. You don't need to pull them through that. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that when you start to make the money and kind of show that this is working, a lot of people will come along and be excited for you and understand it. My grandparents always tell me, they're like, I don't understand how you make money doing what you do, but we're proud of you for doing it. (laughs) That's so great. Yeah, it's true. And there's a lot of that. That happens often, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. But it is kind of a shift. And I think part of this, like we need to do the money side of things and we need to learn how to treat our business like a business so that we take it seriously. And then other people will too. They're not going to try to call you in the middle of the day to go out to lunch if they know that you're sitting down and you're working and this is like a real job that you're doing. Yes, absolutely. But you have to treat it that way first. I love that you said that because it's 100% correct. Do you know what your dream clients see when they come to your website? The only way to figure out how your dream clients are using your website and what makes them leave is to ask them. I've created a special UX test guide that you can get at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. Inside, you'll learn how to structure a user experience test to get the best results, 18 questions to help you really see your website through their eyes, and my favorite way to find dream clients to help you. You need to look at every stage of your client's journey from landing on your website to completing the final goal through their eyes so that you know what to change right now to start converting more visitors into clients. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. So we're going to shift gears again. There's so much to cover (laughs) topic and talk about creating new products and services and kind of how money mindset and being a CEO in your business helps with that. So what should people focus on when they're thinking about creating a new product or service? I mean, this is the hardest part because nobody cares about what you want to (laughs) do. They care about whether or not you can help them. And it's, it's a, it's hard. It's a lot of people, this is where I see, you know, and I think we sort of talked about this too, but this is where marketing can go all wrong. And this is what I call leg humpers. You know, the people who are like, but I'm so great. And I did this and I did that. And I'm so great. And you should need me. And I, you're just like, stop. I don't even, what day is it? And get me out of here. Like people hate that. And the leg humping and marketing that's been going on is awful. And I say like humping, you want to picture a cute little dog, right? It's like that kind of like, how about now? How about now? You pay attention to me now? How about now? How about now? You don't want to be that person. Um, and the way that you do that, this is hard work. This is a lot like, you know, running your PNL on a monthly basis. This is a lot like looking at your bank statements. It's not always fun. This is the hard work and it's why most people don't do it. And it's why it fails. And that is that you have got to understand your customer inside and out and know the air they breathe. And this goes so much deeper than, oh, do your customer avatar. Yeah, that's important, but it's not. I mean, it is. Like, yeah, know where they are, know what what websites they go to, know about their magazines, sure. All of that matters, kind of. But what matters more is really understanding what it is they want. What is valuable to them? Not what do you want them to do? What is actually valuable to them? 
you know, and, and an example I give on this is, you know, dresses. I always need new dresses to go speak. It drives me crazy. Like I have more dresses than I know what to do with. And I, <laughs> I don't want to buy anymore, but I also have to go buy more because then they take my picture and I, you know, so I'm always looking for one awesome fun dresses. And if I walk into a shop and someone doesn't ask me what I'm looking for, right? They're like, oh, how can I help you? And I'm like, oh, I'm looking for a dress. Good, come here. And they, they start throwing stuff at me. I'm out. I like, I don't even care. But if they say, what do you do? What's it going to be on? What are you talking about? Okay. And then I know I'm in an incredible salesperson's hands, right? When they can say to me something like, just imagine walking out onto the stage with all of the content that you've prepared. And you know that this dress brings out this part of your eyes, but it also sends a message of this and you feel amazing. I'm like, just, just ring, ring it up. Cause I'm done. <laughs> Like you're, I like there's, I am not going to win against this person. They're going to sell me a dress. Why? Because they under, they got what was important to me mm -hmm. and it may not be the most expensive dress. Right. And it may not, but they know it's got to be fit and flare and it's got to like my style, right? They're going to know they're going to take the time to put me in the moment of success for me, not for them. The moment of success for them is selling me the dress. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the moment of success for me. And that's what you've got to do as you're looking to create products and services is you've got to understand what's going on for them. And then the, the product or service will naturally be sold as part of that process. But you've got to, and this is, this is what being client oriented actually means. It's not just about, you know, there's a huge movement, you know, God bless Marie Forleo. She's doing amazing things. And, but she's kind of started this movement of, well, just send them a whole bunch of gifts and, Personalized thank you notes and all of that's great. That's awesome. But that's not all that being client oriented means. It means you get what success looks like for them and you create something that gets them from point A to point B faster and with less pain. That's what you have in mind, but you've got to know what point B is for them. And then you've got to be able to back it up and get them there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you focused there in your example on the feeling that you were going to have when you walked out onto that stage. And that's kind of what we need to focus on here is what are the results they want to see, but what is the feeling that they want to have when they've purchased your product or you've completed your service? Like that is the thing that is their point B. It's not so much of, well, I have a new website, but I have a new website that helps me sell my products and makes me feel really confident and that I want to share with everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. So you put them in the moment of, you know, imagine handing your card to somebody and you just cannot wait for them to go hit your website because you know they're going to see your credibility and you know they're going to see how good you are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like, sure, I'll sign up for that ride because that's what, that's what we're all dying for, right? Like, will you recognize how good I am? And can you help me share that? You bet I can. Okay, great. Where do I sign? Yeah. And that's what really great product and services is about. And it's also when it makes it the most fun for us, right? It's not fun to deliver something halfway baked or when somebody's unhappy or you feel like you got their money. Ha ha. Good on you. Pulled one over on you. That's creepy. And that does not feel good. And it's not fun. Yeah. Okay. So we have this idea for a new product or a service and we're super excited to get it out there. And so many of us, I think, just want to push it out and share it with the world. But why is it important to plan our marketing in advance so that it fits with the seasons of our business and with our clients instead of throwing things out there when we think they're ready? Yeah, that's like a recipe for failure. I love that. That's like trying to make a cake by putting the entire egg in with the shells. 
doesn't go well. That's kind of what that's like. This is, this is so fun. This goes to being completely client oriented, right? Again, you get into their world. What's going on in their world at these times, right? So I know for me, my business, I'm about to hit the crazy season. Like my family always jokes, they're like September 1st hits, you know, the fall hits and we don't see Sarah for three months. We don't even know what happens. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's because what happens, I know for my clients, right? And, and we're talking to business owners here, right? So you're going to see this, right? This is the busy season. Why? Because you basically got, you know, September and October to get as much done as you can. And then what happens? The holidays hit, everybody's feeling a little bit chubby. Everybody's running around, stuff on their faces. They're kind of half in, half out, half the staff is out. Then December hits, it's the holidays. There's so many parties. There's so much going on. People are running all over. Nobody's really doing that much work. And then boom, all of a sudden it's the new year. Yep. And I know for my clients, my biggest sales, right? They take place in September, right? Because I'm prepping people for that season. So when people want to, um, you know, I know we're going to be talking about this too, but when people want to run ad campaigns, right? Or they really want to beef up for the holidays and understanding their seasons and their customers, right? They will hire me in September to help with that, right? How can I get my mind straight? How can I organize my days? How can I understand? So I get that. So in August, I start marketing that. Get organized for the holidays. Let's go. You don't want to be caught behind the eight ball. You don't want to be sitting there at your desk. You see these beautiful Facebook ads run by and you don't have any. Get them in there now. Get your marketing emails ready. Get your organic Facebook posts ready and Instagram posts ready. What stories are you going to be telling? So if I can walk them through that, one, I'm alleviating my own stress during that time because I've got a formula for them to walk through, right? But I also am helping them alleviate their stress through that time. And then I also know that the last week of December is when I offer all of my New Year organizational products and my mastermind for the year coming up. All in that last week, people are like, oh, you have to do that months in advance, not for my clients. And I know that. So I save a lot of money on ad spend and a lot of time on organic marketing, not doing it when they're feeling fat and drunk and hungover all of the <laughs> right? I do it in that last week when they're like, oh my God, all the holidays are over. I don't, what am I, wait, I don't want to just put, I want to lose weight. What am I going to do? And boom, there I am. And there's my huge marketing push on, well, let's make it different. So sorry, that's an alarm. Hold on. <laughs> It's so funny. I always tell my clients to have alarms ready to remind them to do really well during the day. And mine just went off. So hopefully it just fits right in. Look at that. I got to do well in my day today. Um, I eat my own dog food, as I like to say. Anyway, so in understanding the seasons of your own business, which again, going back to your PL, you're going to understand your seasons. Like, nope, I'm about to do a huge push. So I'm not investing in anything but marketing right now. Great. If you know that three months in advance, you can plan for it. And you can use that time to push other projects forward that don't take financial investments mm -hmm. um, and vice versa, right? You're like, oh, I'm about to spend a lot. All right, what's that campaign looking like? And you can organize your time better. But even more importantly than that is anticipating going back to your clients and their point B, where are they? Where are they in their lives? What's happening? How are they doing? How are they feeling? How do they want to feel? Why are they feeling that way right now? And then you can start to talk to them way in advance and hit them right where they are at the moment that they're there and be prepared to capture them and support them and care for them and take care of them during their process. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think this kind of ties back to that profit and loss where you can look at that and say, okay, this is when my busy season is. This is when, you know, most of my clients come in, I'm getting my payments made and sort of see your trends in your marketing. So you can plan all of that out from a financial standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it just makes more sense. If you have a more, 
you know, I think a lot of times um, business owners approach their business kind of ad hoc, right? Like, oh, let me throw that up or, oh, someone else just did that. I'm going to do that now. Well, does it fit in the season for your clients? Do you have the financial backing for it right now? Like where, where are you? And looking at it holistically makes it a complete difference. Yeah. And it's so important to look at your clients' seasons as well, planning your marketing and planning kind of your schedule for when you're going to work. Because I know that most of my clients take the summers kind of off or it's their busy season if they're in the wedding industry. So I know from my standpoint, like that's not when I'm going to do my marketing. They're not looking for that. That's when I can take some time and enjoy extra time with my family because I'm not going to be as busy. And then I know that once the fall comes around, I need to get on it and I need to work hard for my clients. Yep. It's so smart. It makes it, and it makes your life easier, you know? Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned in there and um, we had talked about this when we had talked earlier that you are investing in some Facebook ads right now. So can you talk a little bit about why you decided that that was the right step and how you're preparing your business for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so funny, right? As entrepreneurs, our job is to continually push ourselves. And like I joke around, I eat my own dog food and I'm always challenging myself as well. Um, so in my business, um, I have just exploded over this last year. It's just been amazing. It's been wonderful. And I think I've hit an online presence. It's just been great for my business and what I want to do and for the the amount of people I can take on. And in planning ahead, I looked at the fall and I just know this is the time where people are looking for me. They're actively looking for me. They start to feel overwhelmed. They can feel the holidays coming. They can feel the page turning on the year and they're starting to get a little bit nervous. Like, am I making the most of my business? Am I doing this the right way? Like, how am I going to make 2019 or the next year, whichever the next year is even better. And I know that because they're feeling nervous like that, this is a great time for me to increase my visibility. Um, but the other reason I decided to turn to Facebook ads is the majority of my clients, not all, but the majority of my clients are mothers, um, women who have either are about to get married or about to start having kids or actually have kids, but women where it's, um, the corporate world's really not fitting anymore. And Facebook happens to be where they are. There are some on Instagram, but for me, Facebook was the right um, platform because that's where most of them are hanging out. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I chose Facebook. But the other reason was I really wanted to grow my presence. There comes a moment, I think, where organically, and I am a big proponent of pushing people to go organic for as long as possible. It's viable. It matters. And even with this huge push I'm doing on Facebook ads, my goal is to continue to have 40% of my uh, business come from organic. I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's real. And I think people want to connect with people. They don't always want to connect with ads. And I think that that's great. So I'll continue to do the work I've been doing, but in order for me to 10X my business the way I want to, I have to start reaching people that I don't have access to organically right Mm -hmm. now. And so that was kind of, it was a combination of where my business is in its own journey, um, where my business is seasonally, right? So we planned this out. We started planning out the ads two months ago, right? To have them hit in September. So we started in June. Uh, And then also for where I want to go, where my financial goals are and making sure that I have the... Um, support on the back end. So to support the influx that we're anticipating, I have hired a new customer service representative will start and I have increased the hours that I'm using my VA and those two things we're going to start with and then we're going to see where where we land with that and then we're going to continue to grow even more. In addition, I hired a second bookkeeper to help keep track of what's happening um, and I've let my accountant know, I've let my web developer know 
And I've let my uh, merchants of record know as well, because there's nothing worse than having them see a whole bunch of new activity and having them go, um, we need to freeze you for a minute because that'll kill anything. Yep. So, you know, so that's sort of how we're preparing for it is making sure all of the, all of the moving parts internally inside the business are aware. And that includes outside vendors, but making sure everyone's aware of what's happening, that internally we have the systems and uh, pieces in place, you know, the scripts for the customer service, those sorts of things. In addition to all the financial, um, making sure all the financial stuff's ready to go and can kind of handle the, the new influx and the changes. Yeah. And it sounds like you are planning this, not, okay, I'm going to hope that this works, but you're planning this of, this is going to work. I'm going to get a ton of inquiries and I know how I'm going to handle it. Like you're anticipating it working. And I love that because I think sometimes we go into these things and we're like, well, I'm just going to hope that this works. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You know, and I mean, the other piece too, talking about point A to point B is I hired an expert to do this with me. I interviewed several people, right? Several different agencies and individuals and um, did my homework on that as well. And that's part of the reason I'm more confident, right? Is I've really invested in the process as well as the ads themselves. And I think that matters. You know, a lot of times we just think we can willy nilly stuff together. And this is why we all have jobs, right? Is there are experts out there who are mm-hmm. ready, willing and able to support you? Yeah. Okay. So is there anything else? I know we covered kind of a wide variety of topics, but anything else you want to talk about, about money mindset and being a CEO in your business before we get into the action steps and wrapping up? Um, I think, you know, being the CEO in your business is all in your head. Um, And that sounds, I don't want that to sound trivial. I don't think it's said enough. Um, It really is. It's an attitude. It's a perception. It's a personal relationship, right? You have to understand that you're the CEO. And a lot of times too, I'll just, I'll use husbands or spouses as an example in this, because a lot of times um, where I, I think this is a great illustration of how this, this struggle can, can appear. Um, but a lot of times I'll have women say, oh, my husband keeps asking me when my business is going to make money, right? That how, it's like a conversation I hear a lot. And mm-hmm. it, that is the mindset that you don't want to have, not because it's bad or wrong but because you are at the effect of an external force inquiring about your business. A CEO is never at the effect of an external source inquiring about the business, right? They know everything. Yeah. It's not, hey, when is your business going to make money? It's, okay, listen, you're basically an investor in my business as my spouse, right? So here's the deal. Here's what I made last month. Here's what I'm projecting coming out. Here's what I'd like to see over the next 12 months. Now, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to make that happen, but I have meetings set up with these three people um, that I've offered to take to coffee that are going to help me with this part. And this, that's what a CEO does. And I use that simple example of having a conversation with a spouse, one, because it causes a lot of anxiety for people, right? So it's a really great way to assuage that anxiety because you're being respectful of their investment in you, which quite frankly, whether it's financial or time, or, you know, they see you less, all those things that matters. And you want to honor that. And just doing that alone takes away a lot of the anxiety. So that's one piece. And I give that because a lot of people are in that situation. And sometimes it happens with friends or um, old colleagues, that sort of thing. So you want to be prepared for that by acting like a CEO that way and honoring people. Great CEOs honor their board members. They honor their investors. They honor their employees. They take care of them. They understand the assets mm-hmm. they are and they appreciate them. So that would be step one. And then step two is inside that conversation, you're owning the business. This is where it is. I'm not scared of these numbers. I don't like where they are right now <laughs> or, you know, if that's the case, right? <laughs> or like, I did not like presenting this to you. This does not make me want to jump up and down, but here's what I'm seeing. 
I'm seeing this trend and I think I can do this and here's where I'd like to be and here's how many people I'd have to work with. Here's how many different things I'd have to sell. Here's how I'm going to start leveraging my time. Here's where I can start making more money. And you present it like that. Well, now you have a conversation you can engage in and it's not fearful and it's not mm-hmm. anxiety producing, right? It's a lot more fun and it's empowering. That is a very simple, small example I can give to kind of illustrate the CEO mindset, but I hope that you can see how that carries out into other relationships. It carries out into vendor relationships. It carries out into anybody you hire, that sort of thing. is like, if you're the boss, you're the boss. Act like the boss. <laughs> the boss knows the numbers. The boss doesn't get scared. The boss can get discouraged, but the boss gets curious. They get feisty about it. They try to figure it out. They reach out to people when they don't know the answer. They're humble, but they're feisty. And if you don't have that, that, that is a mindset shift that I would recommend people work on. All right. Awesome. So can you give our listeners three action steps that they can take to start acting more like the CEO in their business and making some of those money mindset shifts? Yeah. So, you know, there, we've really kind of talked about them, but first of all, know your numbers. Just step number one, know your numbers. You should know at the drop of the hat. You know, if you have debt, how much debt you have and what the interest rates are. If you have profit, what that is and what your seasons are. Um, And then understanding your cash, right? Which is different from profit and loss. And the cash is the snapshot that's in the bank today. Um, That's step number one to being a CEO. And I really recommend to people, you know, you do the profit and loss, you know, once a month, but there's no harm in checking on your bank account once a day. It takes 10 seconds. (laughs) In this day and age, there's just no reason not to do that. So step number one. Step number two is understand your value. And that's thrown around way too easily. But, you know, understanding your value um, is really about writing down the top three things you produce for somebody and what is it worth to them? Like really in time and in, in anxiety and stress and in money. And, and, and for some people in, in um, heart centered businesses and spirituality, right? Spirituality and personal development is too. What is that really worth? So that's one and two. And then number three is actively working on your confidence. Um, and what that means is you challenge yourself because the more you challenge yourself and you see what you're capable of handling, the, the higher your confidence will, will become. So those are my three ideas for that. All right. Those are awesome. And I think, you know, those are things we can all work on more and it might seem a little scary to people now, but it's so important. And once you get into it, especially the knowing your numbers, like once you get into it, it just becomes a habit and you just right. know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. As we wrap up, can you give me an example of how serving your clients well has benefited your business? Oh my gosh. My favorite. So my, you know, you know, we all have those clients we just love. So if anybody's listening and you're having a hard time conceiving, <laughs> which is a funny thing to say, right? One of my clients, Tasha Blasey is her name. She is an IVF consultant. She had to go through IVF 10 times in order to get her two children. And when she came to me, she was a senior executive in sales at a radio station, right? <laughs> She's like, Sarah, get me out of here. And I was like, well, what can you do? And we talked about it. And she just would mention IVF. And I said, what do people call you for? And she said, they call me all over the country to talk about how they can't get pregnant and what's going on with their doctors. And I was like, you know, you can create a business around that. She was like, what? <laughs> no. Right. And so I was like, no, you really can. And I mean, back, back to value, right? Yeah. Point A to point B faster and with less pain. She saves her clients tens of thousands of dollars by working with her. She has a hundred percent success rate in getting people pregnant, right? I mean, wow. it's just crazy, right? So one of my benefits is actual human beings on the planet, which is so funny, right? 
that's what makes me laugh. Like one of the biggest benefits I have is there are actually human beings on this planet right now who would not exist if I didn't do my work. And, and I share that on to be like, yay me. Like anybody listening, like, can you get the value of what you do and understand that you not living your dream and you not offering your services by getting really freaking good at sales actually robs the world of amazing things that you can't even imagine. When I left corporate America, I would not have told you I'd be, I'd be partly responsible for getting more babies born. I would not have, I would have been like, what? Like you can't imagine where your business can take you if you let it. So that's one of the big successes. But what's happened is because Tasha is so grateful. She literally, I mean, I stopped working with her a year and a half ago. She makes around 45 to $55,000 a month helping other people achieve their dreams. And she'll call me literally like once a week. Sometimes it's every other week in tears and just says, thank you so much for my life. And she has referred, I don't even know how many people to me. That's one of the things that I have just absolutely loved about my work. And we all have a client that we love and just adore. Um, but that was an accident. She heard me speaking one day and I looked down and saw her crying in the audience. And I was like, she's going to call me. I mean, like had one of those <laughs> moments and like, look what came from that. Um, and so me speaking my truth and me sharing what's possible for women in business has paid me back in ways I could have never imagined and financially being one of them. Absolutely. But even more than that is a presence in the world that I could never imagine. Yeah. I love that because it's financial for your business. It's clients for your business, but you get to see her live out something really awesome and help her clients do something amazing. Yeah. Ah, it's pretty, it's, it's, who knew? That's all I can say. <laughs> who knew? Yeah. Okay. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life or one of each. Oh, what I'm loving, you know, this, I'm going to get a little gooey. I'm sorry. One of the things I'm loving is the financial success that I've had in my business this year. One of the goals, my stepmother was diagnosed with lung cancer last year. And I remember, you know, really thinking I have got to make sure I have enough money to fly my family out to LA. She's in LA. I'm in New York, right? I was like, I have to fly my family out as often as I want to make sure we get to see her and spend as much time with her as possible. And I've been able to do that. We're going again next week, right? All four of us. And it's like, I'm so proud of that. It was like, I am going to change people's lives. And by doing that, I'm going to make sure my family gets the love and attention it needs. And that has just blown me away. I've been so excited about that because it's not inexpensive to fly the family all over the, all over the country. So I'm really, really happy about that. I am loving that. And the other thing I'm super excited about, I'm really, really excited about this fall and my business accelerator. I have um, spent the summer redoing it. I've revamped it, built it up. It's my signature product and it is freaking killer. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of it. Um, and we're doing really, really well with it. And I cannot wait to bring it to market, both through the ads, but also through my organic channels. Okay. So my next question was, what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? And it sounds like your business accelerators, really exciting. Do you have anything else that you're working on? You, I do. In um, January, I'm launching for the first time ever. I've had people say, you know, they get to a certain level in their business and they're like, Sarah, I want more time with you you know, you have this great network. Can I be exposed to it? And so what I'm going to do is I'm launching a mastermind in January, which I am like, my socks are rolling up and down. I'm so excited about where I'm only going to take probably 10 or 12 women who are really serious about 10 xing their business over the next year and really creating a team where I will be working on them, developing them, um, working on sales, working on strategy, working on marketing, all of those things, but also a huge piece of this is going to be personal development and interpersonal skills. And just because I'm a big believer, you can make a lot of money, but if you don't grow personally to match it, you'll lose it. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited about that mastermind in January. Okay. And my last question is where can people find you online? All right. Well, I made it very, very tricky, Samantha. It's <laughs> sarahwalton.com. S-A-R-A-H-W-A-L-T-O-N. And I used to say my last name is Walton, like the family on TV, but now um, people don't get that reference because that's yeah. so old. <laughs> so now I say, you know, Walton, like the Walmart family, of which I am not related to. And where are you on Facebook? Um, you know, it's so funny. I really use my personal Facebook page a lot because people want to get to know me as a person. Um <laughs> which is so funny, but my, my uh, public profile page is literally, it's Sarah Walton page is what I ended up having to take because Sarah Walton such a popular name. I got the domain name, but not the Facebook page. So it's <laughs> Sarah Walton page is where you can find me on Facebook. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. This was a fun topic. Um, I know we covered a lot, but I think it's going to be really helpful for people as they dive into their business and really want to get more out of it and do more with it and build that CEO mindset. Love it. Thank you so much for having me, Samantha. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.